City Love is a band in Philadelphia who put out a children's album, World of Love, which they describe as a love letter to the world we need. Yo, Caselli. Yo, Imani. I think it's so awesome that we're all so different and we're all so similar. I agree. But some people are still learning how to treat others fairly if they think they're different. But we know how to in this school. People are different and people are the same. Why so many people out asking for change? Some people got left out of the game and some needed help, but nobody came. In this school, we're gonna care. In this school, we're gonna share. On this episode of Teaching While White, we meet Brian Caselli Jordan and Kiana Ganges, part of the City Love Group. They perform at schools and conferences and offer professional development for teachers across the country. They bring their message of love, justice, freedom, and gratitude to audiences of all ages, and especially to school children. We've been focusing on the importance of talking about race and racism to white kids. The music of City Love gives parents and teachers of young children who might be nervous to have these conversations a place to start. Our lives are so tied up like the strings on a shoe. And as you stand here with me, know that I'm also standing with you. I asked Brian and Kiana how they started playing music for children. During the years where, where City Love was first forming and we would be, you know, working with college students, high school students, middle school students, um, performing at conferences and presenting. I was also teaching kindergarten at the time. So it was, I was very grounded in, in the five and six year old day-to-day reality. And, you know, as we're going and talking about these complicated aspects of systemic racism and identity um, with older students and, you know, just seeing things happen in the kindergarten year after year and, and seeing the ways that the teachers were trying to address some of those problems um, it was kind of like we got we got to figure something out. There's there's a lot happening already at this age, and then you know coming to learn more about the research that has been done. You know, going back to doctors Mamie and Kenneth Clark in the 1950s with the doll study, and just understanding the ways, yeah, all the research around cognitive development and the ways that prejudice forms so early on for children, uh, and that if it's not interrupted, they're going to just naturally absorb the messages that are that are just that abound in society. When he talks about the doll study, Brian is referring to social science research done 70 years ago. It was a study using children's dolls, and it played a pivotal role in the 1954 U.S. Supreme Court ruling Brown v. Board of Education, which made school segregation illegal in this country. The doll study revealed how young children absorbed messages of inferiority and superiority in their everyday lives. But it was a study they did where they would have dolls uh, with with various gradations of skin color and, you know, going from a doll that looked like a white child to a doll that looked like a black child with with darker skin. And and they would ask children, you know, which is which is the smart doll? Which is the stupid doll? Which is the nice doll? Which is the mean doll? Which is the good doll? Which is the bad doll? Which is the doll that the teachers like the most? Which is the doll that teachers don't like? And which is the doll that parents like? You know, all these these questions. And they just found again and again that, you know, children, um, three, four, five, six, seven, had already internalized all of these really negative messages about blackness, just so much anti-blackness just in the culture, you know, without even necessarily having having a grown up in their life that's giving them these very explicit messages. 
that was something they had internalized from being in this country. Knowing that discussing race with children is once again facing steep resistance, I asked Brian and Kiana how they answer the concern white parents often raise about their children being too young to hear about racism or inequality. If we don't feel like our kids are ready to have the conversations, then how are we going to expect them to be able to sort of dismantle a lot of the things that are happening in our country? Um, We teach our kids about different things that happen in the world, how to be kind to our friends and how to um, make sure that our friends feel good, how to apologize to our friends. Um, And we can't separate those things from, from difficult conversations around race because they are they're combined, they're entwined, you know, they're all wrapped up together. There's no way to tease those things out. So when we're teaching our kids how to be kind and we're modeling that behavior for them, um, we are modeling how we treat everybody. And that necessarily includes um, how we treat people who look different from us, how we treat people who speak a different language than we speak, um, how we treat people who love who love differently, how we treat people who have a different gender identity than we do. Um, all of those things come up. When you when, we, when I take my daughter to the playground, we're seeing people from all different walks of life. So I may not be directly talking to her about race, but I but we are engaged in that conversation, even though she's two and a half. Um, we are, you know, talking to people and she's hearing people speak different languages. She sees people who look differently from her, and she sees that um, that we engage with with everybody, no matter what. Uh, and so, at the point that we start to have those conversations, the sort of early foundation has already been set that we we sort of are wrapping our arms around everybody, you know. And then once those conversations start to happen then we will certainly talk about them because she's having thoughts and feelings about that. I remember when my niece, she was four years old, we were sitting in her room and she looked at me and she said, Aunt Q, you're brown. And I said, yeah, I am brown. And I was like, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? And so she asked me some questions and we got to have a conversation. And of course, like, you know, you get to that point where uh, it's a little bit complicated to explain, but you do your best to tell them, you know, what they're experiencing. For for parents having the, the luxury, I would call it a false luxury mm-hmm. of, of not talking about race with, yes. with their children. And I think white parents and, and many white teachers feeling like it's, we can't talk with young children about race, yet their black and brown counterparts often are needing to learn about it as a, as a means of survival, you know, and like, that's, um, that's so crucial. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, to have that kind of discrepancy and say like, oh, well, you know, for black and brown kids, they, they can learn about it, but we don't want to, ha- you know, we need to protect the innocence and youthfulness of our of our white children. That It's like telling someone, teaching people how to protect themselves, but not trying to get people to stop causing harm. It's like saying, we're going to teach you really good self-defense, but we're not going to teach the people who are hurting you to stop hurting you, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? And, and yes, you need to do both, right? But it's, but we need to, to help help children understand that they're, you know, that they get to, they, they really need to take care of each other. They really need to learn these things. And that um, there's a lot going on in the world around them that they, that they're stepping into as these young children that they didn't choose, but they're, they're stepping into it. And, yeah. 
For me, when I was a kid, things started to happen to me when I was young. I remember walking into the mall with my mom and this white man comes walking out. I mean, I was little. He came walking out the door and we sort of like kind of bumped into each other and he called me a racial slur. Wow. And so like that wow. is not going to like that moment right there is like. I know I noticed the anger on his face hmm. and like I had this it was but it was a separate experience from like my mom didn't see it hmm. right and so then I'm like wow. sitting with this experience being like what is that word and like why was he so upset mm -hmm. and so like you know that oh, is not something gosh. that's not something that white parents have to worry about encountering mm -hmm. going to the mall to go do whatever you're going to do for the day. Yeah. But that happened when I was super young. Like I can barely remember anything else that happened that day mm. because I was so little when it happened, you know, but, but that stuck with you. But yeah, but it yeah. stuck with me. I still remember the look on his face and like how he came through the door. Mm. And so those are the things when people talk about being afraid to talk to their children about race, like you said, the false luxury of doing so it's like, well, what are you waiting for? Like, mm -hmm. who do you want the information to come from? Right. Because it's coming. It's coming one way or another. Yeah, Who's so, going to, yeah. And if you're afraid to, if you're afraid to have the conversation because you feel like you don't have the, the, the information, like that's the starting point. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like get the information and then we can all kind of jump into that uncomfortable world together because it's never going to be easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Like, the work is never easy. It's never going to be easy. Right. It's not supposed to be. But you do it because it's yeah. so important. It's so important. Yeah. And, I mean, I think about this is a more extreme example, but I think about the children who lived on 52nd Street uh, in Philadelphia when when there was indiscriminate tear gassing during mm -hmm. the, the protests against police violence mm -hmm. in 2020. Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. three, four, five, six year olds looking out the windows and seeing that. You know, right? that's that's not something they chose. And yeah, they're too young for that. But if they can deal with tear gas, we can very gently and lovingly teach white kids, hey, you know what? Some people are not treated fairly and kindly and safely because of the color of their skin. And mm -hmm. you get to be an upstander. You get to do better than that. And, yeah. You know? And another thing that's coming up for me, too, is that like, you know, the word comfort is coming up for me, mm -hmm. like this idea that when I started to talk about race and learn about it just from being a black woman in this country and being a little black girl in this country, it was never from a place of comfort. Like mm -hmm. we're talking about teaching kids from a place of comfort, you know? Yeah. So like that right there is already doing way better than like a lot of black kids in this country do not get to learn about race from a place of comfort mm -hmm. at all. Like it is just like thrust in their face. And that is just the reality. Yeah. And so the word comfort, like if we can, if we can strip away our, our need for com a, like a comfort bubble, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to do things. And I mean, I understand that with children, like you definitely want to have things be age appropriate and developmentally appropriate for them. I'm not saying, you know, right. that we need to just like bypass any of that, but I do think when it comes to the adults that we have to deal with the comfort that we think we need in order to do this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Would you all play a song for us? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, some of the myths around like 
how heavy handed this this needs to be for children or how this is like mm, indoctrination right. or scary but it's like <laughs> yeah. we were thinking the other day we were talking about like D- dei work diversity equity and inclusion work equals tlc equals mm-hmm. love thy neighbor equals you plus me like is kind of a little tagline of sorts where it's like this is about love this is about mm-hmm. care this is not this is nothing nothing bad parents yeah, yeah. It's, it's good for you it's good for your children all right um okay can you keep the beat with us clap clap or snap snap or stomp it may not be fair for our families a lot of people still learning how to act kindly we've come a long way got such a long way but we can make it better each day so tell me what it's like to be in your skin and tell me what it's like in the family you're in i'm gonna make mistakes but please believe that i care i'll always do my best to listen and be there cause when you're with me we're gonna make it beautiful gonna make it beautiful gonna make it beautiful when you're with me we're gonna make it equal and we can show the people and they can make the sequel when you're with me when you're with me when i was young i had a feeling so strong that i had to stand up for what was right and what was wrong it wasn't easy, had to work my way through so I could find my own voice and always speak the truth. Along the way, I made friends who did the same. They showed me we can make a difference and we can make a change. It might sound cheesy, but I promise it's true. We can do the hard work. Yes, yes, me and you. I respect where you live in the color of your skin. I respect your language and your religion. Doesn't matter our clothes or how much money we got. We've got each other and that's a lot. So tell me what it's like to be in your skin. And tell me what it's like in the family you're in. I'm gonna make mistakes because we believe that I care. I'll always do my best to listen and be there. Cause dance moves, get ready. When you're with me, point to yourself. We're gonna make it beautiful. Hand side to side. Gonna make it beautiful. When you're with me, point to yourself. We're gonna make it equal sign. We could show the people, point to the people, and they can make the sequel. When you're with me, when you're with me, when you're with me. Thank you. That was amazing. A lot of the songs on the album came in direct response to to more incidents in the classroom and less like in the broader world at large, but certainly representative of those those issues as well. But, you know, I think about one instance for this this song we have called Beautiful that go, you know, where it's kind of like a call and response, like, I love my skin, I love my skin, I love my hair, I love my hair, I love the people, love the people everywhere. And then beautiful, I am beautiful, you are beautiful, we are beautiful. I started to go high there, but you get the idea, but that, you know, really realizing, oh my gosh, like we need a song of affirmation for children because a five-year-old girl, one of the only black girls in in the class at the time during the after-school program had like four, four white boys in fourth grade tell her that her skin was ugly. Uh, saying you know fourth grader saying this to a five-year-old and and now she's gotta she's gotta live with that and deal with that so it's like once someone has put that 
that inside of you, that, that wound inside of you, like how do you push it out? How do you mm-hmm. get so much love for yourself and receive love from others that you can push that out? And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, trying to make a song for that. And, you know, again, just back to the point of like, what are, what do black and brown children have to think about and deal with as five-year-olds and earlier? And what are their white counterparts having to think about? And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that, you know, thinking about how, how songs can be medicine, how songs can, can help build all of us up in response to something that happens to one person. And Would you mind doing another song for us? Um, so this song is called Edition. And, you know, we tell students, uh, we, we ask for some of the math experts in the room to help us define the words addition and division. And um, this song is usually, is often how we would close out a school assembly after we've really had this time to, to build together and celebrate. And this song is also a celebration. But the words in the chorus, you'll hear black, white, and every color. It was division. Now it's addition. Yeah. Um, One, two, three, Black, white, and every color. It was division. Now it's addition. We got the numbers. It's time to add them up. It's always better when we're together. It's always better. It's always better when we're together. We're all made of stars, different as we are. We're all colors of the rainbow, so let's shine. You could be the change, show them how it's done. When we care and share, stand up to make it fair. Make it beautiful, make it equal. We can change the world because we have got the love, 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 love. Black, white, and every color. It was division, now it's addition. We got the numbers, it's time to add them up. It's always better when we're together. It's always better, it's always better when we're together. You and me. We have a story, an opportunity to learn from each other. We won't let our differences divide us. We'll open our hearts and let love guide us. As sure as the sun rises, I'm there for you, please be there for me. I'm there for you, please be there for me. And every color, it was division. Now it's addition. We got the numbers. It's time to add them up. It's always better when we're together. It's always better. It's always better when we're together. When we say better, you say together. Better together. When we say better, you say together. Better together. Better together. When we say better, you say together. Better together. Better together. We say better, you say together. Better together. Better together. Now everybody jump, jump, jump. Now everybody jump, jump, jump. Now everybody spin, spin, spin. Now everybody spin, spin, spin. Can you go down there? All the can you bring it up high? Can you touch the sky? Touch the sky? Can you touch the sky? Now freeze. 
Thank you so much. That was lovely. <laughs> Love it. Is there anything else you want to say that I didn't ask you about? We've talked about this before, but just the idea of like doing everything from a place of love and, um, you know, that can look like a lot of different things. And um, I think for me, and I can't speak for everybody from City Love, but for me, when I think about talking to young people about a lot of these issues that come up and doing it from a place of love, um, it, it brings up for me just like how how I approach parenting. You know, there's times when I'm with my daughter and there, there might be a moment where she's really, really upset about something. And if I am also feeling really upset and, you know, I'm having big feelings too, it's really hard to, um, to help her in those moments. And I, and I think about that when I talk, when I think about the work that we do, because if we are sort of coming at each other in a way that is from a place of like essentially dysregulation where we're not in a place where we can approach each other from a place of understanding, you know, just like my daughter is going to be feeling not great if I come to her feeling not great. You know, um, I think it's just really hard to have a conversation from that place. When I start to feel like I can be calm and I can come to her and I can get down on her level and I can say, you know, tell me what you're feeling. How are you feeling? What do you need in this moment? There's almost like a sigh of relief. I think that, you know, that to me is what I think about when we do the work that we do, that the reason that we approach people with love is because that is the moment that people feel like they can be who they are. They can come to you with something that they're not understanding and they know that they're going to be um, walked through the process or we're going to do whatever we need to do to get each other where we need to be and want to be um, when we, when we do things from a place of understanding and from love. And so I think for anybody who is struggling with that, because I think I have struggled with that in the past, like, well, how do you do something with love when this person over here is like really being somebody that I don't want to spend a lot of time around? But I think you can do both things at the same time. I think you can have those hard feelings, you know, like, um, and then you leave the door open for something that may happen in the future, even if it's not happening in the, in the present. I realized the question you asked earlier, Jenna, um, just about the idea of, of the music being like a vaccination against hatred and bigotry. Um, just thinking about the role of music and the, the role that music has played in my life, the songs that I've gotten to hear from, from artists who are coming from this place of love, where it's like they're almost giving you like this frequency to tune into, mm. where it's um, uh, Dr. Howard Stevenson talks about this too, that like he feels like he learned more from Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life album than he ever did in all the history classes in school, you know? And 
just this idea of when when music contains so much and, and we've heard this from families you know um families that have have gotten our cd and like they've got it in the car and then and their their children are like i want to listen to that you know they they like want that cd in the car for months at a time and they're like memorizing the songs and they're asking all these questions and the parents tell us like oh yeah so and so like knows all the words and it's brought up a lot of really interesting conversations and questions and um just that these these songs can keep percolating they can you know a child can can kind of live and grow with them and take them as take them in deep um and be a way to to really tune into this frequency of like of love of acceptance of of standing up for what what we believe in and um so that hopefully it's yeah it's it really can can be like a medicine can really be like a, a vaccination Kiana Ganges and Brian Caselli-Jordan are part of the Philadelphia-based musical group City Love. Their mission is to spread love, hope, dialogue, and healing. You can find out more about their work and their music on our website, teachingwhilewhite.org. My partner in Teaching While White is Elizabeth Denevi. Our theme music is by Henry Needham, and the podcast is produced by Stephen Smith. I'm Jenna Chandler-Ward. Thanks for listening.